Welcome, brothers and sisters in the faith, to the BHP, the Bible History Project, a Bible study program brought to you by the Assembly of Yahushua. Our topic for tonight is Samson. Now, before we go ahead and proceed to our studies, let's first offer a prayer of thanks. Almighty and gracious Abba Yahuwah, thank you so much for the blessings that we have received. Thank you for the gift of life, the gift of knowledge, the opportunity to commune with you, fellowship with you by studying your holy words. May you please give us enlightenment, give us hope that we need, that we can remain strong and firm in our faith as we go through the many trials and tribulations of life. Our King Yahushua, we implore you, may you please be with us at this moment. May you strengthen our faith, work in us and through us. Use us as your instruments of righteousness to proclaim the gospel message to all. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Okay, good day to everyone. We are truly happy to have you join us again to study the words of our Father. Our topic for today is the book of Judges, specifically all about Samson. Now, when we think of the judges of the people of Israel, the one that often comes to mind, perhaps the most famous of all the judges, it would be Samson. Because when we look at Samson and his exploits, it is what people kind of gravitate towards because his exploits express superhuman strength, like a superhero, like an X-Man sorts, right? And so these, these are the things that we kind of like and what we kind of want to hear about. So Samson was a unique judge because he was blessed with strength. But not many people know the background story behind Samson. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So let's go ahead and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 13 and the verses 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in Yahuwah's sight. So Yahuwah handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. So previous to this, we were talking about the Ammonites and how the judges, uh, Yahuwah raised up a judge to overcome uh, the Ammonites. And so now they're going to be facing the Philistines. And because they did evil in the sight of Yahuwah, they were handed over to the Philistines. So the Philistines now represent the enemy of our God. They were the enemy of Israel. And so for how long did the Philistines oppress them? Bible says 40 years. That's a long time for oppression. And so what happens after this? Let's read the book of Judges 13, 2 and 3. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of Yahuwah appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. And so we have here a situation which is like many other situations in the Bible. And that is the case of a barren wife. Remember Sarah? Barren. Yahuwah creates a miracle. Who was born? Isaac. Elizabeth. Barren. Yahuwah creates a miracle. Who was born? John the Baptist. And now we also have Hannah, right? She was also barren, and Yahuwah creates a miracle, and who was born? Samuel. And so when Yahuwah 
begins to bless a barren womb, you know he's up to something miraculous. He's up to something good. He's going to bring someone whom he expects to be an instrument of righteousness. So Manoah's wife was indeed blessed because although she was barren, Yahuwah blessed her and sends an angel who announces that she will become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, when this message was given, what instruction accompanied that for the five? So be careful, you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philippines, the Philistines, not from the Philippines. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And so we have a promise that God has given to Manoah's wife, the promise that the Philistines would be overcome. So the whole purpose of the birth of this son is to defeat the Philistines, right? This is why this was a miraculous birth, because the purpose is Yahuwah is going to use this person, the one to be born, as an instrument to defeat and to rest to to uh, defeat the Philistines and to rescue Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so, for this to to take place, something has to happen. Uh, the angel of Yahuwah tells Noah's wife, "You have to dedicate to God this son who is to be born." as a Nazarite. And so this was given to Manoah's wife. The woman ran and told her husband, of course she was excited, right? A man of God appeared to me. I'm going to pause there for a while. Apparently, um, Manoah's wife did not realize that the one who appeared to her was an angel of Yahuwah. To her, he looked like an ordinary man. However, he had a countenance of an angel. He was a man, but he looks like a very remarkable man. Something was unusual about him. But all he, all she thought about was this was a man, perhaps a prophet of God. And so she goes to her husband, a man of God, appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. And so the condition and the instruction given by the angel of Yahuwah to Man uh, Manoah's wife was that this son that is to be born is to be dedicated or set apart for Yahuwah's work as a Nazarite. And so we need to look into what a Nazarite vow is all about. And that's recorded in the book of Numbers, number six to the four. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to Yahuwah in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. 
They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice and they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skins. And so a Nazarite vow is a special vow that any Israelite can make. And what is the purpose of this vow? To separate themselves, to consecrate themselves in a special way so that they can be used by Yahuwah in some way so that they can be instruments of our Father. So it's good to make a vow, a Nazarite vow, because this shows that you want to be used by God as an instrument. However, if you are to make this vow, either, and of course, you can be a man or a woman, you can make this vow, but when you make this vow, you tie yourself to this condition. Several conditions, actually. What are they? Well, if you're going to consecrate yourself as a Nazarite, you have to give up wine and alcoholic beverages. Not only that, you have to give up any grape products means you can't eat raisins, you can't eat grapes. Not only that, in number six, five to seven, they must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart for Yahuwah. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long, and they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to Yahuwah. Even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves, for the hair on their head is the symbol of their separation to God. So another requirement of the Nazarite vow is that they cannot cut their hair. This is why Samson was known for his hair, right? When you think of Samson, you know about Samson and Delilah. Delilah being the one who kind of deceived him into giving up the secret and source of his strength and power. So his hair gets cut off, get cut off and he loses his strength and his power. But it's a lot deeper than that. We're going to see that today and also next week. But the Nazarite vow is the vow where you who make a promise to Yahuwah, consecrating yourself, setting apart yourself for Yahuwah, it means you cannot cut your hair because it's the symbol of their separation to God. And only that, another requirement, they must not go near a dead body. And so if it's a carcass or a, a dead animal, a dead relative, they cannot go near anything that is dead. So the Nazarite vows, no wine, no alcohol, no grape products. They cannot go near a dead body and they cannot cut their hair. Also, take note, when it comes to the Nazarite vow, anyone can make it, right? Usually, it is done after birth when a person has the ability to make choices for himself or herself because usually a Nazarite vow is voluntary, right? And also a Nazarite vow is specified and limited in a limited period of time, which is what makes the vow for Samson unusual. It's a Nazarite vow, but it's a vow that was made 
for him even before he was born, <laughs> right? So he is bound to this Nazarite vow at the, vow at the moment of his birth, and it's until the day of his death. And so it's a lifetime vow for Samson, which tells us this judge, Samson, is going to be different. He's going to have abilities the other judges did not. And so Yahuwah God, from the very beginning, chose him even before he was born. He was created for a specific purpose. What is that purpose? To defeat, to overcome the Philistines through one man. His name is Samson. And so when Manoah received this great news from his wife that she's going to give birth to the deliverer of the Israelite people, what did he do? Then Manoah prayed to Yahuwah, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. So apparently Manoah's excited. I mean, you're excited because for a long, long time, your wife is unable to conceive. And all of a sudden, she's going to give birth. Not only is she going to give birth, she's going to give birth to someone who would deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. And so he's filled with excitement. He's filled with joy. And so he prays to Yahuwah, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions. He wants to know more about his son who is to be born. And so how does God answer that prayer? God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. And so we can see here the compassion and mercy of the father, right? Here's Manoah. He requests, God, can you please send that man again? Not he, he did not know it was actually an angel, right? And so Yahuwah God responds with a yes. And so when we ask the Father uh, for something that will help us understand him better, he usually responds with a yes, right? He wants to help us understand, you know, what how we can become better instruments or better servants. And so he sends the angel, and the angel again appears to Manoah's wife. Unfortunately, Manoah was not there. But what does Manoah's wife do? She runs to Manoah and says to him, the man who spoke to me is here. And so Manoah runs to him. They have a conversation. And Manoah asks him, when your words come true, what kind of rules to govern the boy's life and work? Kind of unusual, because if you knew the law of God well, you would know about the Nazarite vow. And so this, kind of, this is kind of an indication of the people of Israel as a whole. They were not connected with the law of God. And so at this time, they were not really spiritual. They forgot about Yahuwah. They forgot about God. We can probably say that because here we have Manoah, whom Yahuwah God chooses 
Manoah's wife, whom you God chooses, and perhaps they're not really aware of the Nazarite vow. And so the angel of Yahuwah replied, be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the angel of Yahuwah, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of Yahuwah replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to Yahuwah. Manoah did not realize it, it did not realize it was the angel of Yahuwah. And so they have they, they were practicing hospitality, which was a big thing for the Hebrew culture. You want to show your kindness to strangers, especially if they are the bearers of good news. This is why, if you still remember in the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should show hospitality to strangers because you never know. The one we were speaking to are actually angels. And so here, Manoah did not realize it, but the one he was speaking to was really a celestial being, right? Looking like a man. So he was showing hospitality. I want to prepare a young goat for you to eat. Then Manoah asked the angel of Yahuwah, what is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of Yahuwah replied, it's too wonderful for you to understand. And so what does Manoah want to know about the angel or the man he was speaking to. He wants to know his name. And what was the purpose uh, for Manoah inquiring about his name? Because he wants to honor him. You see, when you want to honor someone, you need to know his name, right? But the angel replies, it's too wonderful, too wonderful for you to understand. In other words, he did not want to disclose his name. Perhaps Yahuwah does not want the angel's name disclosed, which tells us about the importance of the name of Yahuwah. Why? Because he disclosed it. Because if Yahuwah did not want his name to be known, then why did he tell Moses, why did he tell the people of Israel that his name ought to be published, ought to be proclaimed? Why does Yahuwah God give us the command not to misuse that name, because the name is very important. This is why we honor Yahuwah by proclaiming his name and believing the power of his name and how it represents his authority and his character. So in this instance, the angel, well, he doesn't want his name to be known because the one who is to be honored is not the angel, but the one who sent the angel. Who is that? Yahuwah, right? And so then Manoah took a young goat and grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to Yahuwah. And as Manoah and his wife watched, Yahuwah did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of Yahuwah ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. Usually, this tells us whenever they would offer a burnt sacrifice, whenever Yahuwah accepts the sacrifice, there's going to be a fire 
to, to burn the sacrifice. And so the flame, what happened here was not only was there the flames of fire, the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky and the angel of Yahuwah ascended in the fire. And so there's only one word to describe this. Amazing. It was so amazing. It was so awe-inspiring what happened to them. They fell with their faces to the ground. Then the angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then they realized something. Right? You know what they realized at that moment? They realized it was the angel of Yahuwah. It was only then that they realized all this time you were speaking to an angel. The angel of Yahuwah. And he said to his wife, we will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, if Yahuwah were going to kill us, we he would not have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering, which makes sense, which is very true. He, would, he wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. And so Yahuwah showed himself in a powerful way by the display of the fire and the angel who was sent to Manoah and his wife. And so they had faith that what Yahuwah promised is going to come true. And indeed, she became pregnant. And eventually, her son was born. And her son was born. He named him Samson. And Yahuwah blessed him as he grew up. And do you know what the meaning of the name Samson is? If you go to the uh, Blue Letter Bible, the word Samson means like the sun. And so, in a way, you can probably give him the nickname of Sunny. <laughs> Samson, Sunny. <laughs> because it means like the sun. Sunlight. And so, the hope is... Because he was born, Samson is to be the deliverer of Israel, releasing the Israelites from the oppression of the Philistines. And so the future of Israel is bright because Samson is born, right? And after he was born, the Bible says when her son was born, she named him Samson, and Yahuwah blessed him as he grew up. And so his childhood, teenage years, becomes an adult who, who has blessed him. Yahuwah, okay? And the spirit of Yahuwah began to steer him while he lived in Mahanedan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtaol. And so Samson is born. Yahuwah blesses him as he grows up. The spirit of Yahuwah begins to steer him up. And so what does that mean? It means Samson is, Samson is ready. Remember, Yahuwah created Samson for the sole purpose of delivering the people of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. That's why Samson was born. He had a purpose for his birth. And so when Samson was born, he was equipped with the power that comes from the spirit of Yahuwah. And so he was ready to go to battle, to go to war against the Philistines and prevail and win over the Philistines. So what does Samson do? Let's read in chapter 14. So we're now in chapter 14. And this is what happens. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. 
When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timna caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. And so instead of being engaged in battling the Philistines, which was what he was supposed to do, what was he doing instead? Instead of fighting the enemy, he was entertaining the enemy. And in this case, he finds a Philistine woman. A Philistine woman caught his eye, and it was love at first sight. That's why when he got back home, he tells his parents, I want to marry her, get her for me. Imagine that. I think Samson was a little spoiled. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah? I mean, he tells his parents, Dad, Mom, get that, get that Philistine woman for me. I want to marry her. I mean, he's like commanding his parents. I mean, I think perhaps the parents, knowing of the miraculous birth and the promise of the, the angel of Yahuwah, the promise of Yahuwah is going to be delivered. Maybe that's the reason why they were kind of spoiling their kid. But it's not a good idea to spoil your kid. Huh? And so here's Samson. He sees a beautiful woman. I want to marry her. Love at first sight can be powerful and dangerous, right? Because when you fall in love you by sight, sometimes it overwhelms you and you forget all about what is right. You begin to become blind to what is, what is wrong. And we know there's an instruction, a command of God in Deuteronomy 7, 3 to 4. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of Yahuwah will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This was a command given by Yahuwah to Moses to be given to the people of Israel, warning them once they enter the promised land, they must not intermarry with the people who are there. But then Samson says, I want to marry that Philistine woman. He even tells his parents, I want to marry her, get her for me. Well, why does he really want to marry her? John, uh, Judges 14.3, his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe, Clavadan, or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. And so the, the parents know it's forbidden. We're not allowed to marry those who are pagans. We're supposed to marry within our tribe or within the people of Israel. This is why the father tried to convince Samson, don't marry her. Instead, look for one who is from our tribe or from among the Israelites, but not the pagan, not the Philistine. But then he is very stubborn. Samson is very stubborn. He disregards the love of God. He disregards the advice of his parents. And so what does he do? He says, no, I want to I marry her. Get her for me. It's like commanding her, his own parents. Get her for me because she looks good to me. Right? This is like the lust of the eyes mentioned in the book of 1 John. And so she, he's making decisions based on his selfish reasons. 
is living by sight, not by faith. And because of this, Samson dishonors Yahuwah. He also dishonors his own parents. And so already at the outset, we can see that Samson is failing on his mission. Remember, Yahuwah God created him for the purpose of defeating who? The Philistines. But Samson, instead of going out there fighting against the Philistines, he marries a Philistine, right? But what does Yahuwah do? John 14, uh, Judges 14, 4. Uh, his father and mother didn't realize Yahuwah was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. So here we have uh, Samson. He's sinning against Yahuwah for marrying a Philistine, sinning against her, his own parents for disrespecting them. But Yahuwah uses this as an opportunity, right, to work against the Philistines. And so Yahuwah, this is a, an instance, an example of how we mess up, right, how we fail, how we commit sin. But because of Yahuwah and who he is, he will look at how he can redeem this and cause something to work together for good. This is like what happened in Genesis 50. Remember when the brothers of Joseph did evil against him and sold him to the, the Midianite traders? Remember that? And this was a sin against his brother uh, and also a sin against God. But the Bible says, Joseph even says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And so Yahuwah God, he knows his chosen servant, Samson, he sinned, he failed in his mission. Instead of battling the Philistines, he's cavorting with the Philistines. And so what does he do? He uses that as an opportunity to work against the Philippines, uh, to work against the Philistines. And so Yahuwah is going to use an opportunity to kind of infiltrate the Philistine camp, okay? And so that's perhaps what is going to happen here. But what does Samson do? Let's keep reading. Now, Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. A young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the spirit of Yahuwah came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did he, he did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. And so as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, there was an attack from a lion. This young lion was powerful. Or what happened to Samson? The spirit of Yahuwah comes to him in a powerful way. What was he able to do? He was able to rip the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. I mean, no other judge had this kind of power and strength. This is why Samson, when compared to the exploits of the other judges, in this alone, he would kind of garner for himself that hero label, 
like a superhero. He was he was like superhuman. There's no way a human being can rip apart a lion's mouth, let alone a young lion. And so many people heard about this. Many people saw or many people uh, understood that this guy, Samson, is not your normal person. He was empowered by the power of God. And so when the Philistines would hear about this, they would probably think twice before attacking the Israelites. Okay, So that was a good thing. Yahuwah showed the strength of Samson when his spirit is upon him. But what does he do next? Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. What is that? That's like his pride. You see his pride showing? So he kills this lion. What does he do? He wants to see the carcass. He wants to kind of remind himself of what he was able to do. So he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. It's kind of strange. He goes back to look at the carcass, his victory, right? And then when he goes back, there were bees in the carcass. And the bees produced honey. And so the honey was all over the carcass. And what does Samson do? He takes the honey into his hands and he eats it. And he also gives some honey to his parents. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Do you see a gross violation here? <laughs> For him to be able to take the honey, what did he have to do? He had to not only approach the carcass, which is, by definition, what? A dead body. So he touches the carcass, gets the, um, the honey that is defiled by the carcass, eats it, and gives it to his own parents. But notice, he doesn't tell the parents where it came from. Why? Because if that was the case, they would be incredibly upset because they would break, it would break the Nazarite vow. And so here we have Samson. He explicitly, he blatantly broke the Nazarite vow because not only did he go near that body, he ate, he ate honey that was defiled by the dead body. And so we can see that hmm, Samson is not really serious and committed with his Nazarite vow. Judges 14 next. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Not only does Samson uh, go near a dead body or touch a dead body, he also throws a party, a wedding party. And this party, especially among the Philistines, you know what kind of party that is? That's a drinking party. <laughs> That's a drinking party. It's a feast with lots of alcohol and wine. 
And so what would Samson do? He'd be drinking that wine, especially with 30 young men from the town to be his companions. And so this party led him also to break another part of the vow. And so when we look at Samson, we know, well, he broke that part that says no, no wine, alcohol, great products. He, you must not go near a dead body. So he breaks two of the three things that you're not allowed to do when you are under a Nazarite vow. Not, do, not going so well for, for Samson at the moment. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 uh, fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, we agree. Let's hear your riddle. So here's Samson, and he's throwing a party. And because he's a proud man, he wants to bring life to the party. And so he engages in a challenge. He tells a riddle. And if they were to solve the riddle, then Samson has to pay up. So it's like a wager. But if they cannot solve the riddle, then they have to pay Samson in terms of clothing. Okay. And so this is a wager. And what was the riddle that Samson comes up with? Let's read 14 to 15. So he said, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. I want to pause there for a while. What is the answer to that riddle? Yeah, honey, right? You know what Samson is doing here? Samson is in his pride. He wants to glorify himself, right? He's glorifying himself because of what he was able to do when he was able to, to kill the lion. And then here comes the bees and here comes honey. Not only does he glorify himself, he's also kind of mocking the Nazarite vow because he's creating a riddle out of him breaking the Nazarite vow. Not going so well for Samson. And so he gives his riddle. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? And so they could not figure out the riddle and if they have to pay Samson uh, what was required for the wager, they would become poor. And so they went to the wife, which, by the way, is not really a wife yet because the marriage is not yet consummated. And so you have this wedding party. But it, because they're engaged, technically, they were already husband and wife, right? Anyways, they go to the wife and they entice her. Well, not really entice her, more like threaten her, right? Give us the answer to this riddle. Now, Samson's wife uh, came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given me my, you have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? And so Samson's wife goes to Samson crying, trying to convince Samson to 
give her the answer to the riddle, but Samson does not want to do that because he says, I haven't even told my parents the answer to the riddle. I don't think he will because I don't think his parents, he doesn't want his parents to know that he approached a carcass, right? Anyways, uh, so she cried whenever she was with him and she kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, the last day of the wedding party, he told he, uh, he told her the answer because he was tormenting him with her name. <laughs> then she explained the riddle to the young men. And so eventually, Samson relents because of the nagging, because of the tormenting, which tells us Samson was characterized by compromise and lack of commitment. This is Samson. This is Samson as a young man. He has a lot of flaws in his character, a disregard for Yahuwah, for his parents, a disregard for the Nazarite vow. And so he was compromising and he lacked commitment. And so what eventually happened in verse 18? So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And so because Samson discloses the answer to the riddle to his wife, the wife tells uh, the people, the people go to Samson and say to Samson, we figured out the riddle and it was correct. Samson is upset and kind of insults his wife. Because if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And so what we know so far about Samson is, you know, the important thing to Samson was not really pleasing Yahuwah, pleasing his parents, no. Samson was all about himself. It was, it, Samson was full of himself. He wanted to please himself. And so everything he did was for himself. And so when we look at Samson as a person, Samson did not go to battle against the Philistines. He was created for that purpose. But instead of going to battle with the Philistines, he kind of accepted the Philistines. He disobeyed Yahuwah, dishonored him by marrying the Philistine. He dishonored his parents. And he blatantly broke his Nazarite vow. So Samson was created for a purpose, was given the promise and the spirit, but he wasted all of his potential. And when we look at Samson, and when we, when we consider how Yahuwah has been patient with him, and Samson breaking all the laws of God, and behaving so selfishly with utter disregard for Yahuwah, Nevertheless, what does Yahuwah still do? Let's read in 19 and 20, the final passages of uh, uh, Judges 14. Then the spirit of Yahuwah came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened. And he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. And so the Bible says when Samson found out that the 
people were able to solve the riddle, he was upset. And rightly so, right? Especially given who the character that we know he possesses. So we know that Samson was very upset and angry. But even then, Yahuwah's spirit was upon him. The spirit of Yahuwah has not yet left Samson. And because Yahuwah's spirit was with Samson, what was he able to do? He was able to kill 30 men and took their belongings and gave their clothing to the man who had solved his riddle. And so we see that Yahuwah was working still using Samson as an instrument. This is a great mystery because it tells us that Yahuwah was doing something on purpose. He wants to show the Philistines that their stronghold over Israel is about to come to an end. And so the killing of the 30 men is like a down payment towards that purpose. And so he wants to communicate to the Philistines, even if Samson is not going to be fully committed to the purpose of the God of Israel, the God of Israel will still work out his plan and purpose nonetheless. And so Yahuwah uses still Samson as an instrument to show power over the Philistines. But Samson, in his anger, he doesn't show up in the last, the seventh day of the wedding feast. And so he doesn't consummate the marriage. Instead, he returns home to his parents. And so the bride is left without a groom. And so that to save face, the wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man. And so what we know is that Yahuwah, he will accomplish his purposes either with us or in spite of us. You see, Yahuwah wants to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. We know he chose Samson, but Samson was not committed. Samson was not serious in the work. You know, when we look at our life, we too, as people of God today, we have been called by Yahuwah. We have been called into fellowship with Yahusha. And because of this, we are the sons and daughters of Abba. We are the sons and daughters of Yahuwah. And we have a purpose. He wants us to accomplish many things. Are we carrying out our purpose? We have a lot of potential. Because just like Samson, we have the Spirit of God in us. But are we carrying out the work that Yahuwah God commissioned us to do? Hopefully, we can learn from the story of Samson. Samson wasted his potential. But Yahuwah is going to fulfill his purpose even if we are not willing to be his instruments. Because Yahuwah can use us or he can fulfill his purpose in spite of us. Why is that? I mean, what can we see about Yahuwah's character? We know about Samson's character. He wasn't faithful. He wasn't committed. He compromised his faith, right? That was the character of Samson. But what does this show us about the character of Yahuwah? In the book of Exodus 34, 5 to 6, when Yahuwah came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahuwah. Yahuwah passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahuwah. Yahuwah, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Here, when Yahuwah summons Moses to the mountain, 
and he's about to create and give him the, the new set of the Ten Commandments, Yahuwah first announces his name. He pronounces his own name twice, Yahuwah, Yahuwah. What does this mean? Yahuwah is telling us that his name, Yahuwah, it embodies the character of who he is. And this character represents compassion and mercy. He's slow to anger, filled with unfailing love, and he's filled with faithfulness. And so when Yahuwah continued to use Samson as an instrument, despite his flaws, despite his failures, what does this show us about the character of our loving father? It shows us about his compassion, his mercy, and his faithfulness. Not only that, you know, when you look at this part of the Judges, Judges 13 and Judges 14, it also reveals the unfailing love and faithfulness of Yahuwah. Do you know how Yahuwah's love is manifested in the book of Judges chapter 13, chapter 14? When we go and review the past Judges that we have uncovered so far when we study the book of Judges, we know about the pattern of the people of Israel. They would go, they would commit evil against Yahuwah. They would forget Yahuwah. And then they would be given over to the enemies. The enemies would oppress them. And what would they do? In every single instance, right, they would cry out for Yahuwah for help. For example, Judges chapter 3, they cried out for Yahuwah for help. And then Othniel was raised as a judge. In Judges 3 verse 15, they cried out for Yahuwah for help. And Ehud was given as a deliverer. In Judges chapter 4, they cried out to Yahuwah for help. Deborah was assigned. In Judges 6, they cried out to Yahuwah for help. Gideon was sent. In Judges 10, during the time of the Ammonites, they cried out to Yahuwah for help, and they sent Jephthah. But I want you to notice something about the 40 years of oppression that Israel was subjected to by the hands of of the Philistine. I want you to notice something. I'll read it in Judges 13, 1 to 3. Again, the Israelites did evil in Yahuwah's sight. So Yahuwah handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of Yahuwah appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. I want you to look at this passage, beloved brethren, and notice what's missing. Do you notice what's missing? Do you notice what's not found in this passage during the days of the enemy's oppression that we found during the days of Gideon, Othniel, Ehud, Jephthah, and the others? Like Deborah, what is missing? In the case with the Philistines, beloved brethren, there's no record of Israel ever crying out to Yahuwah. They did not cry out to, to the Father for help. And perhaps the reason why they did not cry out to Yahuwah for help, when we go to the book of Judges 15, 9 to 13, tells us that Israel apparently was content with their situation. And 
they basically did not want Samson to kind of rock the boat. They were not willing to fight. They were satisfied with the status quo. And that's a frightening thing when we become so quickly accustomed to spiritual darkness and we begin to learn to accept the status quo. Sometimes it happens to the best of us. We begin to experience a period of spiritual darkness, spiritual bondage, and we begin to kind of adapt to it to the point that we accept it. We accept the status quo. We no longer want to really worship Yahuwah. We begin to compromise our faith. We become like the people we are surrounded by. We become more like the culture we are in. That is what happened to the people during the days of the Philistines. The Israelites, they did not really care about their spiritual heritage anymore. They just wanted to fit in. They enjoyed the life of the Philistines. This is why Samson, he did not think, he did not want to really go to war with the Philistines. He just wanted to have fun with them. Yes, he was blessed with power and strength, but he did not want to use that to fight against the enemy. Instead, what he did was to kind of please himself. And beloved brethren, if we're going to be honest, many times when we look at our life today, it's so easy to kind of conform with the culture, to kind of do what the culture wants us to do, instead of engaging in the spiritual battle against spiritual darkness. And so they did not cry out to Yahuwah. They welcomed the Philistines. It's a good thing our father Yahuwah, even though they did not cry out to him, he sent an angel he sent an angel, and the angel announced, you're going to give birth to Samson, who is going to deliver the people of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. You know what this means? It means that Yahuwah took the initiative. They did not call upon Yahuwah, but Yahuwah acted out of love anyways. That's what love does. You see, unfailing love initiates the act. And we can see this in the book of Romans 5, 8 to 9. It wasn't that we loved God. Yahuwah God sent. He chose to send his only begotten son, Yahushua, while we were still enemies. He chose to do that. He initiated the act of redemption because of his love. That is unfailing love. And it was manifest during the days of Israel's slavery from the hands of the Philistines. Beloved brethren, this is what we need to understand when we call upon the name of Yahuwah. Yahuwah gave us his name so that we can know and understand him better. That he is Yahuwah who is compassionate, mercy, slow to anger. Filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Every time we call upon him, let us be reminded upon his, about his character, about who he is. And so, beloved brethren, we know Samson failed, but Yahuwah has not yet given up on him. We know Samson failed, but will he be given an opportunity to redeem himself? That's what we're going to find out in our lesson next week. Thank you so much for attending our Bible studies. Let us, let us offer a prayer of thanks before we conclude. 
almighty and gracious Abba Yahuwah. Thank you so much for blessing your people. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Indeed, your name is Yahuwah. You are filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. You show mercy and compassion. You are slow to anger. When we look at the life of Samson, many of us can relate. As human beings, oftentimes we operated from our flesh without even thinking of pleasing you. Father, you have forgiven us in the past. Thank you, Father, for being slow to anger. Thank you for not rejecting us. We approach you now humbly. Yahuwah Abba, show your mercy once again. Bestow upon us your Holy Spirit. Do not take it away, please, and help us to find you in our life. Father, thank you, because we know no matter what happens in our life, even when we falter, even when we stumble and fall, because when we look at ourselves, we know we are guilty of sin. We are not worthy of you during these moments in our life when we are hesitant, even afraid to approach you because of our sins. Help us to remember that because of who you are, because of your character, when we approach humbly with repentant hearts, you are ready to accept us once again, to bless us and to forgive us our sins. Show us your grace, O loving Abba. Be with us always and remember your chosen ones at this moment who cry upon you. Our King Yahushua, you are the fruit of God's love. Thank you, gracious Yahushua, the son of the living God. Thank you for being there for us. May you help us that we will know how to properly obey you, how to properly please our Father. May you be in our midst. May you heal those servants of yours who are afflicted with any kind of sickness. We call upon your name and proclaim by faith that you have authority over heaven and earth. Please show mercy and heal your servants. Father, please forgive our sins. Help us that we might overcome all things and be able to become your instruments in proclaiming your righteousness. We ask and beg everything, loving Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters in the faith, thank you so much for joining our Bible study for tonight. Uh, before we go ahead and part ways, just a few announcements. First of all, this coming Saturday, we have our BQA Tagalog. Our topic will be, Ang Iglesia ni Cristo ba? Ang isang katawani Cristo. Because the claim is that the one body of Christ is the Iglesia ni Cristo. And so if you're not in the Iglesia ni Cristo, then you are not a part of the body of Christ. And so we're going to test this out, this uh, belief. We're going to test um, whether or not you need to be in the Iglesia ni Cristo for, for you to become a part of the body of Christ. So this is for Saturday, BQA in Tagalog. Also, this coming weekend, we have our children's ministry. We do hope the parents who are here will allow their children to participate in this ministry. Also, next Saturday, February 17, we have our Bible Based Wellbeing Seminar. And this is an in-person event. So we're going to go to Edgewood, Washington, 
and be together and have a worship gathering at 10 o'clock a.m. followed by 1 p.m. our Bible Base will be seminar. And also on the 24th of February, uh, we will have a seminar concerning finding the one so that we can be properly guided uh, when it comes to looking, looking for a spouse that is blessed by Yahuwah. Of course, this is only for those who will not get married. And so we do hope that uh, we will benefit from these activities. And Yahuwah Abba and Yahusha continue to bless all of us.